Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner. The rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Getting you ready for the day in sports betting. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSIN, the sports betting network. Ah, the fun rolls on. It's hour number two, Point Spread Saturday from the VSIN studios here at the South Point Hotel and Casino. Femi Abebefe, Amal Shaw, getting you set for week eight in the college football season. Just talked a little bit about national titles odds as we played a little bit of market check. Now let's look at some of the Heisman odds. Of course, make sure to stick around. Our picks coming up in about 15 minutes. Also, Mark Zinno, our SEC correspondent, joining us in a half hour as we break down the SEC slate. But Heisman odds. And speaking of SEC, we got a couple of SEC quarterbacks atop the market as it pertains to who will win the Heisman Trophy. Right now, Bryce Young is the favorite, but... We got a co-favorite situation. Bryce Young of Alabama, Matt Corral of Ole Miss, both 2-1. to one. After that, it's C.J. Stroud, who's 8-1. to one. Those odds mirror Ohio State's odds to win the national title there. Then after Stroud, you have Kenneth Walker at 14-1. to one. Then you have three guys, B. John Robinson, Desmond Ritter, and Caleb Williams at 20-1. to one. These odds courtesy of BetMGM. Amal, anything stand out to you when you look at that Heisman board as we are in week eight? In the college football yeah, season. Let's start at the top here. I think it should be a, a little bit of a Matt Corral being a slight favorite at about 180, maybe. However, you want to stack the odds. Bryce Young, maybe at 220 or Matt Corral at $2. Just give Matt Corral a razor thin edge there, but. Bryce Young's going to put up some incredible stats the rest of the way. They're not going to really be challenged when you look at the Alabama schedule. So he's going to have a tremendous season. I think he's got 21 touchdowns, just three picks so far. The one thing that has hurt him is. 
he has had a pick in his last three games, and especially he didn't look good in the last series against A&M. That's my one negative on Bryce Young. Matt Corral doesn't have the supporting cast that mm-hmm. uh, Bryce Young has because I can tell you right now, if Alabama had Matt Corral, in my opinion, they'd be undefeated. They don't lose in College Station yeah. if they've got Matt Corral under center. Uh, that's how much of a talent he is, in my opinion. C.J. Stroud at 8-1, to one, I disagree with this. I, I think those odds are way too short. I think it should be a little bit longer on him. I know he's had a tremendous season. He's putting up great stats. But, Femi, when you look at him, yeah, last two games he had 10 touchdowns, no INTs. But, what, Ohio State played um, – Maryland, and, and I forgot who the other opponent was, they, they played some weak teams. I, I don't think his odds should be that short. I think he should be further back, maybe about 15-1 to 1 at this point in time against Rutgers. You know, you're putting up stats against teams that a lot of people can put up stats against. He has gotten better, but it, the, still the blueprint for me, or what I remember about him, is the game against Oregon where he failed on a couple of throws. He yeah. played well overall, and he's got some very good numbers when you look at his numbers across the board. Uh, I think he's also had three interceptions. Yeah, 18 touchdowns, three picks so far. Uh, Slightly lower completion percentage compared to um, uh, Corral and Bryce Young. He does have a higher QBR than anybody in college football right now. 89.7 highest QBR in college football, but I don't think that's a big consideration by the voters. So that's one that I, I wouldn't necessarily take into consideration. And then the other guys on this board, I don't think Bijan Robinson is going to be able to be there because he was in witness protection in the second half of that game yeah. against Oklahoma. And, and that too, was, too many losses for Texas. Absolutely, too. and that wasn't even his fault. And the loss against Oklahoma State was kind of the final one. And then we saw the perform against, performance against Arkansas. That's a tough one there. Go ahead, sorry. Tell you what, that, it's funny you brought up that Oklahoma State game. I texted you during that game. I was saying, Joel Klatt and Gus Johnson are trying to win this Heisman Trophy for Bijan Robinson. The way they were gushing about him in the first half, and granted, he's a terrific running back, best in the country in my opinion, but the way that those guys were talking about him, they were just like, I mean, this guy's going to New York. This guy is a Heisman. And, and it's interesting to keep that in mind, as silly as it sounds, because these are the people who vote on the awards. It's the media types. You have to also handicap what you think that they will do as well when, when you're betting into these markets, like a popularity contest, which the Heisman is. Uh, you're absolutely right. That's why I don't have the same affinity for it that I once did, because it has become that, and it's based on your team's success. Look, if you said who's the best player in college football, it is Bijan Robinson, mm-hmm. at least for my money, from an offensive standpoint. There's a couple of players you can make an argument from a defensive standpoint, but Robinson's unbelievable. Ritter at 20-1. to 1, He doesn't have enough marquee games left. I don't understand this Caleb Williams at 20-1. to 1. I know That's he's got, what I wanted to ask you about. I, I don't understand that. He's gotten off to a fast start. He's played a game and a half so far. We're going to give him a Heisman based on that, so if a pitcher throws a perfect game, he wins the Cy Young. I mean, that's basically what it's equivalent to thus far. He'll have some opportunities. You reference the schedule, Baylor, Iowa State, and uh, Oklahoma State in succession, plus the Big 12 championship game. So he's going to have potentially four ranked opponents where he's going to have an opportunity to really do some damage. Six touchdown passes, no INTs. He does have that 96.1 QBR, but again, remember, he's only played about six quarters yeah, so sample far. Sample sizes, micro. Very, very small. And, you know, he's going to put up a million yards today against uh, Kansas that they're going to crush them in this game. But he's got to get touchdown passes. It can't be Kennedy Brooks or it can't be uh, uh, Eric Gray getting into the end zone. you got to get some touchdown passes. I just don't see it happening unless he somehow winds up with about 28 touchdowns and one or two interceptions, and he plays just lights out in those final four games. And even then, I mean, it's there's such a small sample size. It I, is. I've never seen a Heisman Trophy winner not start until week seven in college football. Like That's just not – there's no historical precedent for seeing something like that. But I think – Caleb Williams' odds at 25 to 1 at BetMGM, 20 to 1 at DraftKings. It just goes to show that there hasn't really been a guy that's really taken this award by the horns. I mean, at some point, usually at this point of the season, 
we've already established this guy is a clear favorite. Now, I think if Matt Corral and Ole Miss had beat Alabama, I think you're seeing Matt Corral at minus like 120 would... or something like that. But because they lost that game in the fashion that they lost it in, Corral now is still kind of hanging back there. So it just goes to show that this, this is anybody's award – even though we have the co-favorites in Young and Corral. It is, and if you want to go statistically on who's been the best quarterback so far, of the other three guys I mentioned, Young, Corral, and um, uh, C.J. Stroud, Stroud yeah. it would be Kenny Pickett. He's got 21 That's touchdown passes. That's your guy. Yeah, he's got 21 touchdown passes, one INT. I mean, he's been unbelievable, but the problem is they got the one game today against Clemson. The rest of the ACC is so pedestrian. The ACC in football is kind of how when you look at some of the other leagues, sometimes in college basketball, you know, just, they're just somewhat mediocre. Um, it, it's really tough in this league. There's just no really great teams that you're going to face off against. Even though you've got a couple of teams, I think three teams are ranked right now in the league. But Kenny, Kenny Pickett's had an unbelievable season. So let's say if you don't, and I don't know if you have a Heisman bet or not. Do you I have do a, not. You do not have Heisman bet. Unfortunately, I have some losing ones. Um, let's say that you're looking at this thing for a clean slate. Where would you put your money on the Heisman? Would it be with Matt Corral at two to one, or or because you say you think he should be the favorite right now? He's a co-favorite with Bryce Young. I do, but I wouldn't bet him either because too short. Yeah, it's too short. And the other thing is, go back to a couple of years ago when um, Kyler Murray won. It was Tua's all the way. Even mm. though Tua stumbled at the end and Kyler Murray played, played great, I was even still surprised that Kyler Murray won the award. And so when you look at it, I, I just, you know, here's the thing I would make the argument. If Kenny Pickett, C.J. Stroud, Matt Corral played for Alabama, would there be any statistical difference? Because they've all got the same numbers and not playing for Alabama. Yeah. Uh, so I don't understand why Bryce Young, I think he's like kind of a de facto pick. I think this year so far they should say, we're not choosing to give the award. Nobody's overwhelmed us. <laughs> That's what it feels like, at yeah. least when you look at these odds. Bryce Young is specifically there just because of the situation that he's in. He plays for the most storied franchise or storied program yeah, but in correct. college football, yeah. and they're likely to make the playoff. That's And Georgia doesn't have anybody offensively that has wowed. You mentioned Stetson Bennett, what he's been doing, and that's not going to get you any Heisman consideration. No, but, but to your point about Georgia, right? I mean, this is why I don't like this award. When you look at this Georgia defense, Jordan Davis. Man, yeah, it's exactly God. the name I was thinking. About. I mean, first of all, guy is just a monster. First of all, you should be invited to New York because they'll take up two seats, so you can invite one less person. <laughs> and that's the first thing. And the second thing is when you look at it, this guy is just eating offensive linemen for lunch. They have no chance against him. It's unbelievable what he's been able to do. He has been a difference maker. He's been a game wrecker for this Georgia team. And uh, I'll tell you what, Kirby and company—they've got an elite defense. But it's going to be fun to see. And I think a guy like him, he's probably going to end up winning a, uh, an Outlander or a Lombardi. Mm-hmm. But I still think he's got to be considered for Heisman consideration. But we're not talking about him. I mean, remember Chase Young got invited a few years ago because he had a tremendous season. And yep. Dominican Sue had a tremendous year going who back. Who should have won the award that year. Yeah, who, what year was that? Eight or nine or something like that? Yeah, for I, believe, I think it was nine, I want to say. I don't remember who the Heisman winner was that year. But uh, to me, when I look at this, I just nobody really stands out. Kenny Pickett, though. Mark Ingram. Okay, yeah, he should have won it over Mark Ingram. Yep. Um, you know, Pickett is a guy you can't bet on him because they're just not going to play enough marking games. Think about this: Alabama's going to play at least two ranked opponents. Ohio State's going to play potentially Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, and the Big Ten championships so are four ranked opponents. Um, Ole Miss going to play, I think, an additional ranked opponent. Oklahoma's going to play four potential ranked opponents. 
So it's hard to back someone like Pickett who's deserving of it. I didn't mention Travion Henderson because he's got too many games where he hasn't hit triple digits. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a little bit of a factor, but, you know, he's 40-1. to 1. I, He would have to have some out-of-this-world out of performance just like Bijan to be able to get there. Kenneth Walker's a good name I glossed over at 14-1. to 1. I was going to say, I'm stubborn, so I keep coming back to him, even though I don't see Michigan State having the pristine record by the end of the regular season. You answered your own question. That's exactly what it is. I don't know if Michigan State's going to be able to beat Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State. If they're able to do that, they're going to get in. But that's what I don't like. Kenneth Walker, outside of Matt Corral and Kenny Pickett, has been the most valuable player to oh, any yeah. team in college football. I, I, you can make the argument for Bijan Robinson, but I, I think – and you know a name I would throw in there that's not getting any love? Drake London. He's got to be the Bulletnikoff front runner. He has been unbelievable what he's been able to do for USC so far this year. But to me, Kenneth Walker, the difference he has made for Michigan State has been just absolutely alarming. He should at least, at the very least, get an invite to New York. Averaging six yards, 6.6 yards a carry, uh, three yards from 1,000, he's been unbelievable. But I don't think Michigan State will have the sustainability with the record. Yeah, it's such a formula in terms of how they go about picking the Heisman winner. It's either you have the crazy Johnny Manziel, Robert Griffin III, or Tim Tebow sophomore year type stats, or you're the best player on the best team in the country. So it's very formulaic. That's why when you look at this market, I think it's important to keep that in mind with a guy like Kenneth Walker III that even though we are speaking about him glowingly, the voters, just based on what Michigan State might do as a team, are not going to see him in that light. Yeah, you bring up an excellent point when you reference those guys. Now, Heisel, Manziel had that Heisman moment, you know, beating Alabama. Yeah. But when you look at Tim Tebow, they lost three games in the regular season, lost the bowl game to Michigan that year. Robert Griffin's team went 9-3 and three during the regular season. I kind of use that as a benchmark, the three losses. Yep. There's two factors also to keep in mind. There's only been three running backs that have won the Heisman Trophy since 2000. Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, and the other one eludes me right now. But um, running backs aren't winning this. And one other thing, your team has got to be contending in at least in the top 10. And you brought up that point. The guys you referenced, all their teams had two or three losses, and you've got to be a one or two loss team. Yeah, that's just the cold hard facts about the Heisman. We will give you the cold hard facts for week number eight in the college football state because, folks, it's time for our picks. Points spread Saturday. Picks, baby, coming up next. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. They play, and I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon, the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not, gonna, the, not the Big East tournament. Well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. That cool. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team. Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> and then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Dirk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Dirk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? The whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent, and this is Chasing Life. Three out of four U.S. adults are considered overweight or have obesity. 75% of Americans. Dr. Fatima Cody-Stanford. Our weight is one factor that plays a role in our health. But by itself, it doesn't give us the full story of who we are. We have to look at our full person. Listen to Chasing Life, streaming now on the iHeartRadio app. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSIN, the sports betting network. Start drafting good in the neighborhood with the Applebee's Fantasy Football Throwdown. Play free in a pro football contest and feast on the competition for your shot at a share of $5,000 in cash prizes. Head to DraftKings.com slash Applebee's now to get in on the action. Applebee's eating good in the neighborhood. Terms and conditions and other eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Point spread Saturday. Rolling along here week eight in the college football season. Femi Bebefe and Malshaw coming to you from the VEASAN studios at the South Point Hotel and Casino. We're having tons of fun. The show is flying by. We're already deep into hour number two. So, folks... It is the moment you have been waiting for. It is time for our picks. Nine of them we have on this week nine calls from Wall State. There's a little bit of overlap, and there's a little bit of head-to-head. So, without further ado, Amal, you're checking the last lines there. I think you might be trying to add a, an eighth pick. What's no, going I, on there? I, I, I caught just, you red-handed. No, I'm, I'm just checking <laughs> to see. I'm looking over the Georgia schedule to see. You know, they played LSU, but Auburn had to come from behind. They needed that Bo Nick's miracle play on fourth down to put themselves in a position to win. I'm just checking to see if my assertion they played nobody on offense was accurate still. It's, it's been pretty accurate. as I think they're giving up, what, like six points per game. But we'll, we'll get into Georgia yeah. next week. Cocktail going on. They're taking on Florida. But let's talk about what's happening in week number eight. You have six. Six picks on today's card. Let the folks know who you like. Yeah, let's start with the Air Force Academy here in this matchup. Uh, I, uh, to me, I like them a lot in this game against I San like Diego State. Pick. 
Well, I, I look at Air Force. They're, they're a very good team. Remember, they had 35 guys that were holdovers from last year that did play the entire season, but they chose to come back uh, and, and so reclassify in there. San Diego State, not good with Brookshire quarterback. Their defense is good, but they're not elite like they once were. I think it's going to be a challenge for them in this game. I like Air Force here, and I love Femi. I am a huge, huge fan of the Air Force, Army, and Navy in terms of how they try and go on fourth down so aggressively. I yeah. love that. There's no fear there. And they, they approach it as it's four downs to get and, ten yards, not three. You know, I'm glad, glad you you brought up the exact point that I like to make the argument with these teams. I wish more teams would do that. You know, I look at a team like Alabama and Ohio State. Why do you ever punt? <laughs> no. why, you don't need to punt. I mean, Clemson, maybe they should consider punting on first down because their defense has probably got a better chance of scoring. Uh, speaking like of DJ, which, like. speaking <laughs> of which, Pittsburgh, minus three and a half against Clemson. Um, I'll tell you right now, I mentioned earlier, Kenny Pickett, 21 touchdowns, one pick. But here's the thing, a great the Pittsburgh offense, number two scoring offense in the country. I don't think people realize how good this offense has been. But the big thing is the Clemson offense lack thereof. They have been horrendous. Um, as long as Tony Elliott continues to play for this Clemson team, expect them to be stuck in neutral if they're not going into reverse anytime soon. Interesting to note, first time Clemson has been an underdog in an ACC game since 2016 when they took on Louisville and that Lamar Jackson team. Lamar eventually won the Heisman that year, but Deshaun Watson was the quarterback of the Clemson team that went to the college football playoff. By the way, if they had the first down marker in the right spot, uh, Louisville might have gotten the win because he steps out of bounds and gets the first yeah. down. He didn't see they didn't have the yard marker there That's in the correct a hell spot. of a game. That was such a great game out there the, in Death Valley. Wake Forest Army, this one goes to noon Eastern. I like the over in this game, and I know it's kind of uh, crazy to take an over with Army, but I think Wake's going to score points here, Femi. Now, you could probably take Wake minus three, but for some reason the over just jumped out to me because I don't like the Wake Forest defense. I think Army's going to be able to move the ball effectively against them. Their ground game, I think, is going to be effective against Wake Forest here. So I like that game over 52. Now, that game has gone up to 53. I was going to say, market agrees with you. Seeing consensus 53, even some 54s and wow, some okay. off-the-grid places. Yeah, so pretty interesting there. And then UCLA minus one against Oregon. This is just more of a play on UCLA and them being at home. If this game were at Oregon, I would take the Ducks, and they'd probably be laying some points here. Revenge spot for the Bruins, who blew the game last year up in Eugene. Had a nice lead. They let it get away late with that touchdown that Oregon scored before halftime. So Bruins bounce back here. DTR's got to play well. This is my favorite game of the day that I'm looking forward to watching is the UCLA-Oregon game, 3.30 Eastern, 12.30 Pacific time. And then, of course, the Oklahoma State-Iowa State game. Oklahoma State catching seven here at Jack Trice. Um, I think this Oklahoma State team is good. I don't know if they're if they're a great team despite their record so far. Um, too many points in my opinion. You've got to see something. Brock Purdy and company have not played particularly well. Now, they do have one advantage. They're coming off of a bye week. Let's see what Matt Campbell and company are able to do. But seven's a little bit of a big number. And the other thing with the Cowboys is this. They've been in some tight spots, and I think that really helps you out when you're in a game that I expect to be tight and competitive. This feels like 28-24, 24-21, and honestly, I don't know who's going to win this game. I give a slight edge to Iowa State, but I think the Cowboys have a great chance here. And then finally, I mentioned earlier, I said there's a play on the Ohio State game. I like Ohio State first half minus 12 against Indiana. The one of the things that I hate that the odds makers have done nowadays, and you saw this with the Michigan game today, Michigan's a 24-point favorite, but the first half line is 14. They, they so, caught on. <laughs> they have. You're absolutely right. So it becomes more challenging. But the Buckeyes here should be two touchdowns. They're not. And I'll, I'll take my chances with this offense. Femi, I believe the Buckeyes score at least 28 in the first half. I think they're going to move up and down the field. When you look at Ohio State across the board offensively, 
They're as good, if not better, than anybody in college football from an offensive standpoint. Quarterback position has gotten better and better once Stroud got healthy. Travion Henderson is probably the second best or third best running back in college football behind Walker and Bijan Robinson so far this year. Averages almost nine yards a carry, the highest for anybody in terms of the number of yards he's put up so far. And then we know about the wide receivers and the offensive line. So I like Ohio State against Indiana. And I think the fact that they had a hiccup last year against Indiana bodes well coming into this matchup. Yeah, definitely that Michael Penix and what they were able to do out there for the Hoosiers. At the horseshoe, much different situation now at quarterback for the Indiana Hoosiers right now and a much different season as those coin flips are going the other way here in 2021 as they were in the positive side in 2020. So those are Amal's picks, all six of them. Hope you wrote them down, pen, paper, or if you were firing them into the apps, I'll let you go ahead and finish that as we get to my plays. Only have three of them, Amal, uh, on this college football slate, but we're in lockstep on my first one, UCLA minus one. And I've mentioned it throughout us doing this show over the last two months or so, however long it's been, time is flying. But it's the unsophisticated model of the unranked favorite against the ranked team at home. I always like that unranked favorite there. So UCLA minus one. And their ground game, I think, really gets going. Similar to what we saw them do against LSU in the week two, this this UCLA offensive line, what they can do with Chip Kelly. Yeah. <laughs> mentioned it, Chip Kelly revenge game, actually. Uh, you mentioned them losing the, in Eugene last year. I'm sure he'll want to get even with the Ducks, especially with this Oregon team now at number 10 in the college ball playoff discussion. He would love nothing more than to get them out of that discussion as they try to replant their flag in the Pac-12. So I like USC, or UCLA, rather, laying one. I do like USC, but we'll get to that in a matter of a moment. Iowa State, Oklahoma State, we're going head-to-head. I'm going with the Cyclones. I laid the points. I like this team coming off of the bye. I joke about Brocktober, but this team happens to be really good in the month of October. They're in Ames. And Oklahoma State, you mentioned how the close games have kind of benefited them. They're used to playing these type of battles. I think it's more of a, a, a signal that they're just not very good. And I think last week was more about Texas than it was about Oklahoma State. Just the way that Texas absolutely botched that second half. Coming out of the halftime, the end of game sequences, I mean, the, the, the quarterback play, Casey Thompson was just lost out there in the last two drives. I think that was more about Texas's ineptitude versus Oklahoma State doing anything really that great. Now, Oklahoma State is Spencer Sanders. If Sanders doesn't turn the ball over, then they, they typically don't beat themselves. But I think Iowa State takes it to them coming off to the bye. Big spot. Top 10 team in Ames. I think that crowd will be absolutely fired up. You had something you wanted to say about yeah, that. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. You make a valid point there in terms of the close games they've played. But the one point I would counter that with is in college football today, it's very difficult to not give up at least 24 points in a game. And this team has held every opponent to 24 points or less. And obviously, we're not talking about Georgia here, who's been the best defense by a large margin, really a historically great. That's the only point I would make about Oklahoma State. Their defense really does a tremendous job, and I think that's what will keep them in this game. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fantastic game. We're going head-to-head on that one. If I text you anything, uh, it's, it's it'll be all uh, good-natured if I see that the Cyclones are running away with that game. But uh, feel free to throw some shade back at me as well. My final pick, USC plus 7 in South Bend, taking on their rivals, Notre Dame. This is simply just a fade of Notre Dame. I think that the market is slowly catching up to the fact that the Fighting Irish aren't that good. Uh, the, the whole Jack Cohn, he's going to play, but we might also see Buckner playing as well. It sounds like there's going to be kind of a quarterback rotation there with Brian Kelly, what he said earlier in the week. But I think USC also, they just get up for these games, even on teams that they are not having, they're not having good seasons, but they have talent on their team. I think that they can get up for this game in primetime, 
to keep this one close. And Notre Dame just hasn't shown me from offensive side or even on the defensive side with Marcus Freeman coming in from Cincinnati a year ago to where they can kind of pull away from a Power 5 team. I have yet to see that from Notre Dame. I don't think we'll see that this Saturday afternoon. So I think USC stays with a number of seven. I think USC actually might be live. It wouldn't shock me if they won the game outright there in South Bend. But give me USC plus the seven as well as UCLA minus one and Iowa State laying a touchdown at home against Oklahoma State. I, I like your point there. I, I think Marcus Freeman's defense hasn't played as well as I thought they would, but I think part of it is the fact that the uh, Notre Dame offense doesn't stay on the field. I do think today they'll have a chance to run the ball effectively here because this Trojans defense has not shown they can stop anybody. We saw what B.J. Baylor and Fenwick were able to do against USC. I expect uh, Notre Dame to be able to run the ball extremely well here today. Was there anything that you were close to putting onto your card that didn't quite make it? You know, um, I don't remember off the top of my head, but there was a couple of games we had discussed earlier, and and it's eluding me right now. But the Penn State game under 45 and a half is one that intrigues me. I think Michigan's absolutely going to crush Northwestern, but I don't want to lay it at 24 at this point in time. And then I think LSU catching eight is not a bad play. Now, the number's gone way out of whack. You could have gotten 12 earlier in the week, but um, those are one. And one more, your neck of the woods. Washington State taking on BYU here. Yep. A lot of turmoil with Washington State. I would look <laughs> don't at, have a coach uh, anymore. Yeah, exactly. I would look at BYU here potentially lane four. Yeah, that's uh, it's a little tumultuous out there on the Palouse as they're taking on the other Cougars from BYU. You mentioned LSU Ole Miss. Well, our next guest, we're going to talk to him about that game. Mark Zinno, our SEC correspondent here on Point Spread Saturday, joining us on the other side as we run down the SEC slate here in week number eight in the college football season. This Point Spread Saturday on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vcin.com to check the current betting splits data. This new feature gives you insights on where the money and bets are moving for every game. You'll be able to see where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. Data is available for Moneyline, Over, Under, and Against the Spread Bets. Betting splits are another way. VEASAN is here to make you a smarter, better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com. It is Point Spread Saturday coming to you from the VEASAN studios in the South Point Hotel and Casino. Femi Abebefe, Amal Shah, getting you set for week number eight in the college football season. So, it is 630 it is time to bring in our next guest, our SEC correspondent, Mark Zeno from Sports Grid TV out down there in SEC country. Mark, thank you for joining us once again this morning. And earlier in the show, Amal and I were kind of talking about the the, the college football futures market, especially as it pertains to making the playoff and some of the SEC title odds right now. Georgia is the favorite to win the SEC at minus 130. Alabama is right behind them at plus 110. Then it has a significant drop off to Auburn and Ole Miss at 30 to 1. But we looked at Alabama's odds to make the playoff. They were minus 165. I made the argument, never make that bet. Just bet them to win the SEC at plus 110. Is there anything that stands out to you with this SEC futures odds, whether it be conference or even maybe to make the playoff or to win the national title as a whole? No, I mean, there's really no evading the fact that, simply put, it's either Alabama or Georgia or Alabama and Georgia getting into the college football playoff, right? Like, as far as a value proposition, there's nothing there. I would tell you this, and I've been asked this question all week long because of where those numbers are, about, you know, is it worth making a bet on anybody else, even outside the SEC? 
And I would tell you, now again, Georgia's defense is like not only the best one in college football, it's like all world good guys, right? Like this is historic level stuff we're watching Mm -hmm. with Georgia's defense. But if you go back and look at some of the other Alabama defenses from years ago, the really stout ones that went into the college football playoff looking nearly unbeatable, how did they end up getting upended by a quarterback like Deshaun Watson, by a quarterback like Trevor Lawrence? If you can find value in maybe a C.J. Stroud, who's that same similar guy, well, I don't think he's as good as either one of those guys, certainly not at this point in his career, but if you can find a quarterback like that that can run around and make a Georgia defense that's very disciplined and very strict get out of their comfort zone, you might have a shot to get them upended, right? And so, like, that's where I would look to put my money on a coach and a quarterback that I believe could scheme around the best defense, maybe in college football that we've seen in the last two decades. So from that standpoint, I would look at those situations and teams that could make the playoff and possibly just catch Georgia on an off day and catch Alabama on an off day and, and beat them the way that we've seen other teams beat defenses like this before. I think that's the only value proposition you find when it comes to odds for uh, the college football playoff and the national champion. Mark, you alluded to this Georgia defense, and to me the best defense I've ever seen in my life was 2011 Alabama. I thought that defense was the best one I've seen. I think this Georgia defense is comparable. I don't know if they've faced enough of an offensive team yet where you look at and say, hey, this offense is going to blow you off the field. I still contend, though, when they get to Atlanta and they got to face off against Alabama, they're going to have to score 30 points. As great as this defense is, do you believe they can win the game by holding Alabama down, or they're going to have to score some points? Because you know, you, you referenced the college football playoff. Alabama's defenses are great, but everybody goes out and scores points in today's college football, and I think that's what separates the Clemson run, the Alabama run, Ohio Ohio State, Oklahoma, all these teams can go out and put out 30, 40 points regardless who the defense they face. Yeah, I mean, to your point, look, there's two ways you have to beat Alabama. You have to keep them to less than 40, and you have to score 30. If you don't do both of those, chances are you're not going to beat them. Go see what A&M did, right? That's the formula. Florida almost came close but didn't get to 30, so there you go. I agree with you that, look, you still have to go beat your daddy, right? And and (laughs) I've been telling people that Nick Saban lost to his first assistant. Do you want to bet on the fact that he's going to lose to two in a row? <laughs> That's a little bit of a scary proposition. Everything Nick Saban is doing right now is geared towards beating Georgia. And he's going to play every game the rest of the year as if he's going to have to gear towards beating Georgia. And so from that standpoint, this will be a tough contest. And as good as Georgia's been, I don't think it would shock anybody if Alabama was a favorite in that game. I mean, you know, prior to Alabama losing to AM, it probably would have been Alabama minus three and a half, maybe even minus four, um, based off of what we've seen so far this year. Georgia may be the favorite, but what, what are we talking, uh, uh, maybe two and a half? You know, just get it to under a field goal. So um, th- this matchup between the two of them will be, uh, you know, a heavyweight fight between two huge contenders. But, yes, Georgia's going to have to figure out a way to score. And if you're looking for, you know, holes in Georgia, right, there aren't any. But the one hole that we, we have, if you really wanted to nitpick, is say, can Georgia score when they've been pressed to? They haven't asked to score at any point in the season. They've never absolutely needed a first down. They've never absolutely needed to get a score. They've never absolutely needed to extend a drive because they've been playing with such a comfortable lead all, all year long. We don't know what this offense is going to have to do when pressed in a tight spot in a game. So if you're looking for a hole with Georgia, that's it. Could Alabama be the team that does that? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's a great point there with Georgia. They've been playing on their own terms every single game uh, throughout this season thus far. We'll see what happens next week when they take on Florida in the largest outdoor cocktail party down there in Jacksonville. Speaking with Mark Zeno of Sports Graded TV here on Point Spread Saturday. LSU Ole Miss is an interesting game down there in Oxford. All the uncertainty, obviously, LSU, the news about Ed Orgeron came earlier this week. Lane Kiffin at quarterback with Matt Corral was being kind of vague about whether he would play or not. Now, expectation is that he will 
Now, this game didn't quite make either of our cards. Amal said that he kind of liked LSU in this spot. What do you think about this game with the Tigers catching 7.5 with a total of 76.5 down there in Mississippi? All right, so the SEC's top rushing attack in Ole Miss, once again boasting the highest total uh, in the SEC conference. Here's the math on this, guys. Ole Miss is going to have to get to 50. They're 3-3 three and three against the over this year. All three games the over came in, they scored 50 points. The other three didn't. Week one, Lane Kiffer wasn't coaching. The game against Alabama and last week against Tennessee. And so the question is, with Matt Corral nursing injuries and not 100% sure where he's going to be, will they be as potent offensively? I would lean towards no. Now, LSU, prior to last week, was only averaging 22 points a game in SEC play and failed to break 30. They finally do that last week when they when they put 49 on Florida in Ed Ogeron's last stand. I think motivation comes into play with LSU. I think that these guys, not that necessarily they've quit, but there's just not that level of we have to win one for coach because they know he's gone. And so I don't think either one of these teams will play to their averages as far as scoring is concerned this week. I'm heavily on the under in this. And as much as I've been on the old Miss overtrain all year long, this is too many points. Uh, in a game where I just don't believe both of these teams are going to play up to what their scoring average is. Yeah, it's, I think you bring up a good point here, and this is such a big number that if you have one quarter where it struggles, it's hard to see a scenario where you duplicate scoring, what was that, I think, 42 points or something between Arkansas and Ole Miss in that fourth quarter. So you, you don't want to be stuck in that situation. Uh, Tennessee, obviously, last week was competitive against Ole Miss. Now they go into Alabama. They're going to be in serious trouble here. We're not even sure if Hendon Hooker is going to get the start in this matchup. Uh, overall, just looking at Tennessee, not necessarily this game. How do you think Heupel is doing? Where do you see this program going? Do you like where they're in terms of long-term outlook for Tennessee? I'm not saying they're going to be back, but they look like they're taking strides where they hadn't under Dooley and Butch Jones and other guys. Well, I think the first thing they need to do is get a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, they haven't had any consistency at that position. And unfortunately, there's no way around this. The SEC quarterback play stinks in recent years. It's been bad. I mean, other than Matt Corral, who's really risen in the last let's call it 12 months, into a viable talent in the SEC. Yes, of course, Bryce Young at Alabama. But other than that, across the board, the rest of the conference is meh at the quarterback position. If you'd like to be a dominant team in this league, you're going to have to find a quarterback who can run that same sort of style that Clemson ran, that got them national titles, the same one that Ohio State is running, that gets them to the playoff every year. It's that sort of offense that you need to evolve to. Kirby Smart's trying to do that this year. That's what he got JT Daniels for to be able to evolve into an offense that resembles 2021 instead of one that resembles 2011, as you mentioned earlier. So from that standpoint, I think that's that's problem number one. Is Hendon Hooker the guy? Starting to show some flashes of that, but still there, there needs to be some level of consistency. I will say this much about Tennessee. The scheme of their offense, the way they mix the run in the past, is very potent and can be. It, they've proven it to be against lesser opponents the way they have against you know Missouri and other teams where they can put up 62 in a game like that. Against better defenses, it probably requires a couple of more talented players and a little bit more of an adjustment in scheme to go up against elite-level defenses and win. Mark, we haven't touched on this game, so I want to get your opinion on it. South Carolina taking on Texas A&M at College Station. Aggies 19.5-point favorites with a total of 45. Anything stand out to you in this contest? I'm all over the Aggies today, especially at under three touchdowns. I mean, here's sort of the handicap that if you trust that Zach Calzada, you know, the one that showed up the last two weeks that's averaging 38 points per game, and after they backed up the Alabama win with a big win over Missouri, if that guy shows up and Isaiah Spiller, the running back, continues to average five yards a carry and the running game is doing that well, this really should be an easy cover for AM. Look, South Carolina has yet to break 20 in SEC play. And against the two t better defenses in the league, the top one in Georgia and Kentucky, they average 11.5 points per game. You put all this together, for me, this should be an easy cover for uh, the Aggies in this spot. Plus, the Aggies have the second-best defense as far as points allowed in the SEC. 
I'm all over the Aggies under three touchdowns. Give me it, and I'll, I'll take the points. All right. He is Mark Zuno of Sports Grid TV. Mark, appreciate you joining us once again here on Point Spread Saturday. We'll chat with you in just a bit. Thanks, fellas. Thank you. All right. That's some good information there on all things SEC. Likes the Aggies laying the points against South Carolina. You agree with that play there? I, I do. The South Carolina team really struggles. This Texas A&M defense is elite. I think the simple fact that they gave up some points against Alabama maybe have skewed some people's perception of them and then the loss against Arkansas. But remember, it wasn't the defense's fault in that game. Uh, at Mississippi State, you could make an argument the defense didn't get some stops, but still, at the end of the day, I think this team is very good. They'll be balanced. And remember, on the off chance that Alabama gets stripped up, they have an opportunity to get to Atlanta. Also, Mark taking the under in an Ole Miss game. Much braver man than I am. Uh, I, I agree with his points, but Ole Miss unders, I don't think I can do it. But best of luck to him. We wrap things up on the other side. It is Point Spread Saturday here on VCND Sports Betting Network. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my my goodness, bro. <laughs> Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer 
maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. This is Point Spread Saturday on VSIN, the sports betting network. The Sports Betting National Championship is coming up November 5th through the 7th, and VEASAN will provide coverage from the main event all weekend long, including live on-location updates for all the action. Visit VEASAN.com SBNC for more information and learn how you can enter for a chance to test your skills and win cash, including the million-dollar top prize. That's VEASAN.com SBNC. It is the final segment of Point Spread Saturday from the VEASAN studios here at the South Point Hotel and Casino. Femi Abebefe of Mall Shot. It's been a fantastic Saturday morning here in Las Vegas as we get you set for week number eight in the college football slate to a mall. We've touched on quite a bit of games. There are some that involve top 25 teams that we have yet to get to starting in Ann Arbor. Northwestern taking on number six, Michigan. Michigan, a 23.5 point favorite with a total of 51. Earlier you alluded to, you think the Wolverines might blow Northwestern off the field. Is that kind of the, the play here if you were to bet this game right now? Yeah, 24 seems like a little bit of a high number, but earlier in the week I said this number when it came out of 21, 21 and a half. I thought it was too low. I thought it would get to 24. I think the Wolverines dominate. Excuse me. You know, you look at this Michigan team. They've been a little bit inconsistent offensively, but defensively, there's no questioning what they've been able to do outside of that game against Nebraska two weeks ago. I think they'd probably correct some of those things. Uh, Femi, uh, you minus that Nebraska game, they haven't given up more than 17 points to any opponent. On the flip side, Northwestern, this is a team that continues to struggle to score the football. Um, you know, Ohio University and uh, Indiana State notwithstanding, this team has not exceeded 21 points in any game. Yeah, another Big Ten game to get to. Illinois taking on Penn State. Sean Clifford, we believe he will play, but it's not necessarily clear. That game kicks off at 9 o'clock. Nittany Lions, 24-point favorites with a total of 45-and-a-half. And you think that Penn State might just shut down the fighting Illini. Yeah, I really do. I think they're going to struggle to move the football. This Illini team coming in at 2-5. and five, You know, this is a program that should be better than they really are. They've got two wins, one against Nebraska, who's already struggled this year. I mean, they, they've lost a bunch of games. This offense has been unable to do anything the last four out of five weeks, Femi. They have not exceeded uh, four, uh, 17 points, I believe it was. Yeah, that's a, an offense that is anemic. Penn State, their defense has been really good this season. We've seen that so far all throughout there. Penn State has to be kicking themselves. That Iowa loss is really well, going to be the thorn in their side. Well, no, they were on the table they're in, right? Yeah. You beat Ohio State in Columbus. The, but you the, want at least to get the mulligan later on, possibly. No, but the problem is, it had Ohio. let's say they had beaten Iowa. Mm-hmm. Ohio State beats them. They're still not getting to the Big Ten championship. That's fair. So, so it would have been tough for them to get into the playoff. The, the, and, you know, the the reality is if Sean Clifford plays, they win that game. Yeah. He I, gets injured, and that really changed the difference for uh, – changed things for Penn State. I had Penn State money line, and it's uh, it's not necessarily a sore spot anymore, but it was uh, it took about 24 hours to get over there. Uh, Oklahoma and Kansas, the Caleb Williams show rolls on in Lawrence. As the Sooners, 38.5-point favorites, total 66.5. This one kicks off at 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. To borrow one of the great Tim uh, Brandt lines of all time, this game is going to border on child abuse. I mean, this is going to be an absolute <laughs> 
pummeling. Last year, Oklahoma won this game by 53 points, and I think we're going to see something similar here. I expect to see here, – here's the other thing. In this game, you don't actually get a break because Caleb Williams will probably come out sometime in the third quarter. Spencer Rattler is going to come in. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not like you're going to be taking a break here from that perspective. Oklahoma rolls. Um, you know, Oklahoma's probably about a 24-point favorite in the first half. I will say one thing where Oklahoma's got to show a little bit better. The old Oklahoma teams, you go back to the Bob Stoops era, they would go into a game like this, they'd put up 28 or 35 in the first half. To me, if Oklahoma's kind of back to where they want to be, they need to do that in a game like this against KU. Yeah, and it's interesting that you see that a, a Heisman favorite preseason is the team's second quarterback who could enter the game once it gets into blowout territory. Could be scary hours there for the Jayhawks in Lawrence. Wake Forest, a three-point favorite, going to Army, total of 52.5. You're going to have a play on the under. You like the over in this game, but if you had to play the slide, which side would you play? I would go with Wake Forest. Sam Hartman's been terrific. This offense is unbelievable. Nick Skibio makes a difference in special teams, his ability to kick the football. I expect Wake Forest, if they don't turn the football over, should be able to score on the majority of their drives. They're just going to be able to out-athlete them. Not that you'd ever say that about Wake Forest, generally speaking, yeah. but against the uh, Army... Uh, cadets here. I think they've, excuse me, against the uh, Black Knights, they've got a great opportunity to do that. UTSA at Louisiana Tech. We haven't touched on this game at all. Number 24, UTSA, a six-point favorite at La Tech, total of 59 and a half. Yeah, you know what? you got to see what uh, Sincere McCormick can do in this game. He runs the ball incredibly well for UTSA. This is a very good offense. They can move the ball. We've seen that throughout the course of the season. Louisiana Tech has been competitive in a lot of games. We saw against Mississippi State a game they probably should have won. A little bit of clock mismanagement, long field goal attempt cost them. SMU hits a Hail Mary late in that game. So uh, this is not a game I'm going to end up playing, but I can tell you this. uh, This should be a fairly competitive game. Uh, So from my perspective, I think uh, Louisiana Tech plus 6.5 is probably the play you're looking at at home here the game of the day is oregon and ucla at least mm-hmm. what would be the most competitive game on paper number 10 ducks taking mm-hmm. on the bruins bruins a one point favorite we're both on ucla but we haven't really touched on the side necessarily in this game right now the total six or rather we haven't touched on the total which is at 60 and a half kickoff at 12 30 would you what do you like with this total right now 60 and a half i think i can see both running games having success out there in the rose bowl yeah i, I think it could be a little bit higher scoring because ucla's defense has been non-existent at times by the way real quick i see the lines on the money the money line is ucla minus 115 don't lay the one at minus 110 just take the minus 115 if you're going to bet the bruins mm-hmm. uh at least in this matchup in terms of total i don't really have an opinion here the line's gone up half a point now to 61 i, I would trend towards the over because i think ucla can score but their defense will also give up big plays and i think the same thing applies to oregon uh you know the one concern i have in this matchup is i already referenced that die is out excuse me verdell's out you need die to make sure he's going to go if he doesn't go i think it's gonna be a real problem for the oregon running game I know you made fun of me for bringing up this game at the top of the show, USC and Notre Dame, but I want to get your final thoughts on it. I'm on USC plus seven, so I'm betting on USC and UCLA. They might need to put me on that Los Angeles City cast there with Danielle. I'll say, talk a little L.A. college football, but USC seven-point dogs against Notre Dame, total of 59. You've mentioned that Notre Dame is overrated. You're not really liking this Notre Dame side. The total of 59, does anything stand out to you there? 
No, I wouldn't want to play that because I think Notre Dame's defense is good enough to slow down USC. But the problem is USC's defense. I mean, look at some of these scores they've yielded. 42 to Stanford. Who the hell has given up 42 points to Stanford? Oregon State, 45 points. I mean, B.J. Baylor and company were just going up and down the field against USC like they weren't even attempting to play defense. 42 against Utah. The good news for them is this is the week where they're not supposed to give up that many points. It's the bounce back against Arizona, uh, against Arizona where they're supposed to give up another 40-plus points. It's every other week that USC gives up these numbers. But if Jack Cohen's going to have any success, this is the game he's got to do it in. And I'm looking forward to seeing Drake London and potentially seeing uh, Justin Hamilton kind of rolled over to his side from the safety position. Should be an intriguing matchup in this game. Another interesting game, this one also out in the Pac-12. Our producer Matt Never has a play on this game. Utah and Oregon State. The Utes are kind of the trendy team out of the Pac-12 South. At least that was the case prior to the start of the season. Oregon State, of course, has been the story of the Pac-12 as they're a contender in the North. The Utes are a three-point favorite with a total of 57. Should be a competitive game in Corvallis later on this afternoon, kickoff at 4.30. Yeah, this should be a good game. Unfortunately, uh, many people won't get to see it because it's on the Pac-12 network, but this might Yeesh. be one of the better <laughs> games throughout college football. I think it's going to be competitive. Uh, look, I love the running game that Oregon State has. I think Jonathan Smith has done a tremendous job with this Beavers team. Uh, Kyle Whittingham, to me, is still the best coach, arguably, in the Pac-12. I know Chip Kelly's at UCLA, but still, he's done tremendously well there at Utah. Cameron Rising has done a really good job uh, ever since Charlie Brewer quit the team. One bad half and Charlie Brewer quit. I mean, <laughs> give me a break. Uh, I don't want to lay three on the road here with Utah. I think Oregon State's got a great opportunity to win this football game. Tough game. This, Femi, is the type of game, in my opinion, that in-game betting was uh, made for. Yeah, always mentioned it. We talked about the chances to arbitrage, whether you can shoot for a middle or something like that. Two birds, one stone. If you see an opportunity and you have the facilities and the the avenues to do such things, definitely take advantage of it because in-game betting, you get a lot more information than betting this thing pre-flop. But to recap our picks... In week number eight in college football, Amal has six plays. Would you like to let the folks know once again, if they missed it earlier this hour, what you are on today in college football? Uh, I got Air Force minus three against San Diego State, Pitt minus three and a half against Clemson, Wake Forest Army over 52, the Bruins at minus one, and Oklahoma State plus seven uh, in Ames, and the Buckeyes first half minus 12 against Indiana. And I am on UCLA minus one against Oregon. We are simpatico with that one. So go Bruins. Going head-to-head with Iowa State and Oklahoma State. And Malls on the Cowboys. I'm laying the points with the Cyclones. I like them coming off the bye. And, folks, it is Brocktober. So that will factor in with Brock Purdy and the Cyclones there at home in Ames. And I'm taking USC plus seven against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Saturdays are for the bets. And those are our bets here on Point Spread Saturday. Any final thoughts as we approach the slate? Two hours to kick off here in Week 8 in College Football, Amal. No, I can't wait for next weekend. <laughs> there you go. It's a, it's a look-ahead spot for this guy. <laughs> Watch yeah, let me, out let for me ask you a question. Is that that ga- great game on the Pac-12 Network we talked about? Which game are you absolutely fired up? Next weekend, you got three match marquee matchups. Big Ten East will be starting to settle what think goes down there. Think the about Big this. Game days at UCLA. That's all you need to know. It's a festive atmosphere in Southern California. I like that play. I'm a West Coast guy. Uh, that does it for Point Spread Saturday. Stick with us, though. The Lombardi line, Patrick Maher, Michael Lombardi on the other side. It is VCN, the Sports Betting Network. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media. But now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. 
Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just $348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for.